You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 393 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. This is the RubyConf panel episode. I was super excited to put together this panel, but at the last minute, my dog, George, needed to have surgery during the conference. I'm happy to report that he's doing great and he's sitting at my feet while I'm recording this. As soon as I knew that I couldn't appear in person, I reached out to Gemma and she agreed to not only moderate, but to organize it too. Her WNB.RB co-organizer, Emily Gerleo, also agreed to step in to take my place on the panel. They are both absolutely wonderful. You're in for a long episode, so please enjoy. I wanted to give a special thanks to all the panel participants, the listeners who joined for the recording, and of course, our editor, Paul. The best part? Since the episode was recorded on separate tracks, I'm hearing it for the first time with all of you. Enjoy. Live from Denver at Ruby Pump, we're recording a big podcast crossover episode. I'm Gemma Isroff, one of the co-hosts of the Ruby on Rails podcast, and I'll be moderating this panel. We have three podcasts represented here across five panelists, including Remote Ruby, Rails with Jason, and the Ruby on Rails podcast. We'll start with brief introductions. Andrew, will you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. My name is Andrew Mason. I am with the Remote Ruby podcast. I am a Rails engineer by day and by night. I make Remote Ruby and Ruby Radar and several other things in the community. Thanks so much. Jason Charns. Yeah, my name is Jason Charns. I work at Podia and I don't do all the exciting things Andrew does. I just do Remote Ruby. My name is Emily Gerleo. Um, I'm actually not a podcaster normally, but a Brittany Martin of the Ruby on Rails podcast couldn't be here today. So I'm here in her place. Normally, I am a Rails engineer and I'm also a co-founder of WNB.RB, which is a meetup for women and non-binary Rubyists. Thanks so much, Nick. My name is Nick Schwader, and I'm an engineer at Shopify. I'm also a co-host of the Ruby on Rails podcast, and I maintain the pastrubies.live newsletter where we talk about old Ruby most weeks. Nice. My name is Jason Sweat. I'm the host of the Code with Jason podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, so we're all here at RubyConf for the first time in person in two years. And what are you all most excited to see and do at RubyConf? To see Jason Charns. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm excited to see everyone. It's been a while. We've been in lockdown, but it's exciting to see everyone, see faces that I've just met on Twitter over the lockdown or know the podcast. I had someone walk up to me yesterday. Hey, I know your voice. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I think just seeing everyone and kind of bringing the community back together, I think has been awesome. Yeah. So I got on Twitter in like 2009 and laid my first line of Ruby in 2014. So kind of on Ruby Twitter since then, but I never came to RubyConf, right? So the thing I'm most excited about is in the last 24 hours, the number of faces that have, were only Twitter pictures to me for years and years I've just seen walking around. It's like a weird Ruby famous uh, convention. So it's just nice, you know, after the last couple of years as well to be together with other coders. Yeah, I think we all might have the same answer. I went to my first RubyConf in 2019. And I think the reason I like continued to code Ruby was because everyone was so friendly. And even though I didn't know anyone, I felt so welcome and so happy after. So I'm just excited to be with this awesome community. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like meeting people in person has been huge for me, even in this first day so far. Are there any talks or workshops y'all are specifically excited about? There were, but now I have to look them up. (laughs) I'm excited for Nick's talk. And Jason gave a great workshop this morning. Thanks. Jason, how did your workshop go? Did it go good? Yeah, I'm just glad that it's over. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know if we said, but there is a live audience here today. So and I don't know if the mics will pick it up. Just figure that's fun to share as well, because I remember listening to live podcasts at prior conferences, and it's always kind of a treat to just have that it's live vibe and be able to share that with the community too. I've also been recording some of my own impromptu episodes of Code with Jason while I've been here. Just short little five minute episodes. They'll be trickled out over the course of the next few days. Nick had one. It's it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, are they interviews or, or monologues? Conversations. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but he doesn't tell anyone around him that he's doing it. So like Andrew and I are saying like horrible things. And then as Jason's recording that, it's like. I just want to say that the Titanic was real. (laughs) (laughs) I can't find it. I think there's a talk on, as we call it on Remote Ruby, Gidget. Oh, I did. uh, (laughs) We call it Remote Ruby. I'm pretty excited because I want to learn more about that. Yeah, Maxime Stock. Yeah, it should be really exciting. Jason, how did you prep for the workshop? I feel like talks you can rehearse over and over, but workshops. Yeah, luckily I had a little practice over the years. I've done some corporate training where I like go to clients' offices Mm -hmm. and teach their team in person. Those usually last a few days. And so I kind of had some preparation that way. And it's mostly just come up with some exercises and some materials for people to follow, that kind of thing. This was different in that it was way more people than I normally teach. It's normally like 20 people, give or take 10. And this was like, how many people were in there? Like a hundred or something like that. People were like sitting on the floor, but I think it went fine. And it's always hard to tell from my perspective, how things went. Sometimes I think it went great and it went terrible. Sometimes I think it went terrible and it went great. So I really don't know, but it seemed good. Well, we're getting a lot of live audience nods and thumbs up and and smiles. So (laughs) (laughs) judging based on that, it looks great. And Nick, you have your talk coming up soon. That's right. Yeah. So I have the pleasure of being like the last day towards the end of the afternoon. So you get that joy of spending the entire conference thinking about giving your talk, right? Everyone's like, I want to be the first slot. And after a few years of speaking, you know, I used to have that mindset of, I want to be the first one. And then I can just, you know, let my hair down and enjoy myself. But now I'm getting the point like, well, someone has to do it. So I'll take that charge and <laughs> quietly be thinking about my talk. And then, but then you watch other people's talks. You're like, oh, mm, that's not good. I should have done that. That's a really good idea. Oh, those slides are way better than my slides. But, and just on the question of talks, there's so many, because I think this year, is it about four in parallel at times? And there are definitely slots where I'm, you know, ones that I'm really desperate to see your double book. When these go online, I'm definitely going to follow up after and be watching a bunch of them. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like I've wanted like almost Hermione Granger's time turner to go to all of the all of the slots. Emily, you're also speaking. Yes. And I luckily have a slot first thing tomorrow. And so nice. I definitely feel what you're saying where I'm like, after maybe like 5 p.m. today, I cannot touch that talk and I just have to give it how it is. And then it's going to be over and it'll be great. So I'm really excited for that. Do you ever find with practicing talks, since we really care about what we're talking about, you can't overpractice it because then it, the enthusiasm gets harder to mimic. So if you do four in a day and you're like 20 minutes into it and you're like, this is amazing. Look at this thing. And you're just, I have nothing left, right? You can't kind of have to choose your practices. I definitely reached that point this week where, and Gemma was there for at least one of those practices where I just was like, I cannot give this stupid talk anymore. (laughs) But I actually just gave myself a break. And then this morning woke up at 4am to catch my plane here and was like, the intro, it needs to be different and frantically edited it on the plane. So I think I'm, I'm feeling that energy again. (laughs) 
Jason Charns, what are you excited about the Wyjet talk? I couldn't be any more ignorant to like <laughs> just in time compilers. And so when somebody is like, hey, our huge company that has tons of really smart people has been working on a just in time compiler. and It's getting merged into Ruby. My interest is peaked. So I'm just interested in learning more about it. I'll say someone from that company, I'm just as ignorant. So I'm going to <laughs> talk to to learn, get some education. So for Yijit. That's one of the more comforting things I've heard today. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Isn't it Yijit? No, I'm just going along with y'all. It's Yijit. Don't do or that. We could do a soft, a soft J. I'm Yijit. so confused. <laughs> this confusion's gotten worse. <laughs> it's, it's Yijit. I don't know. It's so Thank you, Gemma, for finally. And the, and the fun, it is in some cultures. I don't know oh, if you saw no. where Matt's approved it as well. There was just one like bit of feedback, which was about the name. And I then that got push back a little bit but then i was like oh what would the new name be you know so but i think it's widget for life so another question i had is why do you all come to conferences what is it about conferences that brings you here if it's your first time or brings you back if you've been to rubyconf railsconf a few times my first railsconf was 2015 in atlanta and i knew no one in the community i traveled by myself stayed with a friend and i met so many people that like i'm still friends with today I actually like got encouraged to get into public speaking on that trip. And I think I've only missed like one in-person conference since then, because it's really like seeing everyone here, real connections, like real people like in the year 2020 that I didn't see because of the conference, we're still texting like meaningful friendships. And I'm here for that. Yeah. I'm probably the same for me. My first rails conf was 2018 in Pittsburgh. I was still an intern for the company. I was still in college. So coming and seeing like the community that existed and all these people talking and, you know, some stars that I'd heard on podcasts and I was like giddy to kind of see. Now you're that star. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not that guy, but I have not missed a conference since I attended all the virtual ones as well. I think except for rails comp this year, cause I just couldn't swing it because of time, but I've never missed one since. And I think it's just because meeting people in the community, I mean, seeing Jason was great. Like we saw each other in the hotel, just big bear hug. I think it's the people that keep me coming back and also the free t-shirts if we're going to be serious here. I like to come to conferences because you get to see the same people repeatedly. And it's kind of funny, like in 2019, I went to a lot of conferences and I realized at one point that I see my conference friends more frequently than I see my friends who actually live where I live. And it's just great. You're with this group of people who all have something in common with you. So it's really nice to be able to talk about this stuff that we might not have a lot of people at home who are interested in the same stuff. I really vibe with that because I've historically always lived in very rural places, might be the only Rubyist for many miles, remote or part remote working, right? And this is a great opportunity to go and see others. And then like we'd be sitting and if you have a sandwich or a drink or something, you're making a joke about something that you'd never make a joke about with your peers back home. So I think that social aspect, the other is leveling up the last year, I really struggled to just watch talks on my laptop because all my meetings were on my laptop and all of that. Now we're physically here and we're doing it together. So we'll go walk to a room and watch somebody talk. And like, then you, you really gain a lot of knowledge doing that in the room. And I think it's just fantastic. And a selfish thing is it's another way to see parts of the world. I may not come to downtown Denver from Belfast, Northern Ireland casually. So it's good to be here. Yeah, I think it is really interesting, especially it feels like I have a lot of virtual friendships in the Ruby community, especially because of the past year. There's something different about meeting people in person, too. To shift questions a little, 
I know we're all podcasters here. Why do you podcast? Andrew, you want to get us started? I have no friends. (laughs) This is the only way I can get Jason to talk to me. That's a joke. There's some truth behind it because when I was learning Ruby, I was very excited about this idea of being part of a community because I was in college. I was writing Java. I had feelings about that time in my life writing that Java. And I was like, you know, then I was like exposed to this Ruby community and everyone's nice and there's so much to learn and they're doing stuff and yada, yada. And I think one thing that got me into podcasting was partially because I wanted to meet other people. There's no one in my community, no one around me who was writing Ruby, except for the people that I sat in the office with every day. So I wanted to be exposed to other people writing Ruby. I wanted to learn and meet new people in the community, gain some exposure selfishly because at the end of the day, like when I need a new job, being on this podcast has done wonders for that because people know my name, they know my face. And so I've been able to get lucky with that as well. But at the end of the day, it's about, I think, providing something to the community that when you see something missing and you kind of want to add it, which is something I really love that y'all are doing with WNBRB, there's a need in the community and we kind of wanted to step in and kind of fill that. But again, back to what I said in the beginning, it was kind of to make friends. I feel like I don't regularly podcast, but the experience of listening to podcasts is kind of like having some friends that like live in your head and you get to just (laughs) walk down the street. You know, if you're like you're going somewhere and you just have your friends from the Ruby podcast chatting about Ruby stuff. And I think, Nick, you said this. Who are you or maybe Jason Sweat? Who are you going to chat about Ruby with on a day to day basis? And so it, it kind of mimics that feeling that you get going to conferences where you have that community of people who are interested in the same stuff as you. I really like that. Like, was it people in your head or is that how you, okay, I want friends who live in your head, friends in your head, because I would listen to podcasts so aggressively. I remember like listening to remote Ruby and I'm pretty sure I was on, it was a while back, but it was so surreal because you're hearing the same voices like you'd hear on a podcast, but it's happening now. And you're talking as well. And you're like, Oh, you say words and they respond back to you. You're like, Holy cow. That's the thing. But I think I got my start in. So my early coding days, that was how I got in touch with the community first for listening. So I remember, does anybody remember Ruby five? Okay. Okay. A couple of my people. So that would have been twice a week, five minutes, really tight, nice Ruby podcast that was put out. So I'd listen to that twice a week and then bike shed for years and the Ruby on rails podcast. And it's just, I had this crazy commute as I was learning to code. So I'd listen to every episode every week. And then I, you know, kind of just was so engaged all of a sudden it's like, you know, a guest and then appearing more and more often. So now it's kind of nice to, you know, at least put some time in and and it does feel like giving back because there might be people out there now who are in similar situations where a lot of their interaction and value hopefully comes from listening to podcasts. And it's not just the technical aspect, right? It's the feeling of community. You know, you might be around a lot of coders who don't even know what Ruby is and you think, oh, am I just the Ruby loner? But then you hear all of us, you're like, no, 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 I've got a community. I was asked last night why I do podcasting. I guess I have to give the same answer here to be consistent. And my answer was self-aggrandizement. Because, you know, in addition to podcasting, I write blog posts, occasionally make videos, all that stuff. And so I'm just trying to get this stuff out there as much as I can. And I figure the more of these activities that I do, the more each activity will help each other activity. Because people might find my podcast and then find my blog based on that. And, you know, I like to sell books and stuff back to the self-aggrandizement. And so that's why I do all that stuff. That's my candid answer. Yeah, I think to that point, also, people have really diverse learning styles and some people learn really well just listening and others reading. That makes a lot of sense. 
I'm hearing quite a bit about community and people, which I totally agree with. But I'm curious, do you all think that part of it is just that we're all doing the same thing or that there's something unique or special about the Ruby community? And if so, what might that be? There's definitely something special to it. Something that came up, I think, at breakfast this morning is just a non-language X factor. And it's been talked about a lot. I'm not judging people who aren't Rubyists, but I have coded elsewhere and with other <laughs> backgrounds. And the community in tech isn't homogenous. They're not all the same. We're not, they're very different. And some parts of it are quite nasty, if I'm honest. And I'm not going to pick a language or anything. But generally, there's been this thing that's kind of packaged up with Ruby with the big people who are involved with it from the early days. It's kind of stuck around. It feels like it's still here decades later. You know, Miniswan was such an early thing. Matt's is nice. And so we are nice. And I've always felt welcome. Like even when I was early days and I was, knew the least amount of my career, you know, so many people would be so far above me. I'd never judged, judge me and it treated me very well. And it's, we're all excited to be together. Right. Some folks here probably have had, you know, other community experiences. So maybe I'm doing too broad of a brush here, but I think it is pretty, pretty good community. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. Honey Badger is exception, uptime and cron monitoring all in one place and easily installed in your web app. Deploy with confidence and be your team's DevOps hero. For me, I'm often the first person on the engineering team reading the bug reports that customer support submits. My first step is always to tab over to Honey Badger, find the error, identify the culprit, and sign the bug to a developer. Honey Badger has made us so much more confident in shipping new features. If you're not reading their blog, you absolutely have to. They have tons of Ruby-specific content, but I love how they cater content to each stack they support. And if you're like me, you've been eagerly watching the updates on their new product, Hook Relay, so you can have webhooks as awesome as Stripes. To dive into all of this, head on over to honeybadger.io. One of the first things like I was pretty open about in the Ruby community was I have mental health things go on, like anxiety, OCD, stuff like that, ADHD, and no one in this community, I mean, at least to my face, has ever like... Oh, that's for Andrew has been like rude about it. Or like, in fact, most people are actually really empathetic and want to learn more. And that was the thing that really like made me latch on to it. And like, I struggle a lot with like, I don't know, kind of socially awkward and people are just very accepting of me. Like, I don't know. It is special. And I have not experienced that. I haven't been in other languages like communities, but just other communities in my life. I haven't experienced that like I have here. Yeah. And I think something to add on to that is whenever we talk about mental health on our podcast, people message us a lot and they're like, Hey, thank you for talking about this. I also struggle with ADHD. I talk about that a lot. And I I feel like I meet a lot of Rubyists who also struggle with ADHD. So it's been great to kind of like meet people from that kind of community too, inside of the Ruby community and kind of find almost like my tribe of like, Oh, you guys like squirrels too. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to call out for you folks like remote Ruby, I think has done a huge amount to normalize. I mean it, I'm not using that as a buzzword, genuinely normalize these discussions. And for so many people that you probably won't ever message you, you know, who may have their things like, oh, wow, like these people I really look up to and love listening to are talking about this. I'm not alone because it's, as you know, some of these things can be very lonely. And if you just see all these people around you who are going to conferences and like succeeding, you might think that's just you. So I think honestly, probably empowered more people than you know. So thank you. Well, I really appreciate that. To your earlier point also about filling a need within a community, I think that seems to me like 
especially because people weren't really talking about it, a clear need that, that you both have filled, which is very wonderful. I have one more thing I want to add about that to you, like the community being special. Like my wife was, we had a baby in June. She was in the hospital for like two weeks before. It's just hell on earth for everyone. Like her, we had two kids at the time and like, I didn't post any details, but like I shared on Twitter, like, Hey, this is like kind of a time in our lives. And like somebody I met at rails comp 2015, just sent us $50 for DoorDash. And it's just stuff like that. You like, I don't know, I'm tearing up thinking about it. It's just like people care about you. It's cool. No, it's incredible. And I think it is an, a huge privilege just knowing even this episode is going to go out to all the people it does to really, for everyone to be able to hear how much small acts like that can make a big difference in even the lives of the people you might really look up to or something like that. Back on the theme of podcasting, which episodes are you most proud of that you've put out? Sandy Metz. Not fair. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to get cut. <laughs> Yeah, that one took me a long time to line up, like months and months. I asked multiple times, but she finally came on the show. And that's my most downloaded episode last time I checked with good reason. I was really proud to be able to have her on the show. Yeah, that's incredible. How did you prepare for that one or come up with what to ask her? Well, I had read her book, Pooter, Practical Object Oriented Design in Ruby. So there's that. Mm -hmm. And then, well... Most of my podcast episodes, almost all of them, they don't start with a plan or a topic or anything. We just hit record and see what happens. That's kind of how that one went. But, you know, obviously Sandy is super knowledgeable and I'm a programmer too. And so we didn't run out of things to talk about. And surprisingly, people actually have told me they enjoy like the wandering episodes where Mm -hmm. we just talk about whatever BS. I enjoy this a lot. Good. Yeah. Because that's how they're going to keep... (laughs) (laughs) I guess for me, it'd be a tie just because of how the experience was. So I'd had on Chris, people might know remote Ruby or go rails, you know, at the time. And this was a person I'd known for a while. And what did I have on? I think to talk about rail six. So it was a while ago and all the new things from rail six, maybe a rails conf rundown. But I felt, you know, just having that conversation and maybe we've all had a similar experience. Oh, I've made it now. Like I've talked to a person that I was aware of on Twitter and I was able to say, can I talk to you, please? And they said, yes. And then we had a conversation and it was was a lovely experience. This also would be tied with speaking with Kevin Newton, who's in the audience very recently about regular expressions and deep dives in Ruby and stuff. That was really fun as well. That was a great episode. I caught that one. This is tough. I just want everyone to know that Jason just scrolled through a list of our episodes. (laughs) Okay. I don't want that to go unnoticed. Throwing him under the bus. It's fine. Well, we have so many episodes that are just us rambling. I had to remember the good ones. We did an interview. I'm going to go back to an earlier question and then tie this in. One of the reasons like I keep podcasting and it's kind of cliche, but like I get to talk to people. I normally like wouldn't have any reason to like go in depth with. And we kind of joke that we're like a JavaScript podcast sometimes. But we did an interview with Adam Lathan of Tailwind a couple of times, and that was really insightful. And then we did one with Mike Perham that's also real high on my list of just favorite ones. Yeah, I think we did a really good one with Ernesto Tagwerger at our 100th. That was great. And then I don't know the episode number, but when Chris wasn't there and Jason and I had a really intimate conversation about mental health and ADHD. And I, when I look back, I think I'm most proud of that one. But I mean, I've also been on the Ruby Blend and Ruby Rogues in the past. so like. There's some episodes back there. I really liked what we were doing with the Ruby Blend. I'm sad it had to die, but there were some great episodes in there as well that I'm proud of. I just want to real quick echo something that Jason said. 
which is being able to talk to people who otherwise would have no reason to want to talk to me. Why would Sandy Metz ever talk to me ever for any reason other than I have a podcast? And then like you have those people on your podcast and then like we see each other in person and it's, hey, we know each other now because of the podcast. And that's honestly one of my favorite parts about it. I will say also for people listening, I've definitely just hit up people out of the blue without a podcast to hide behind to talk to. And they're usually like, they usually will talk to you if you have something specific you want to talk about. How do you think about diversity of folks you bring onto the podcast? I hate that about ours. I think that's something that we've like really been trying to like focus on a little bit more. And it's something that I've been thinking about because I also run the Ruby radar newsletter. How do we bring in these people who are from more diverse backgrounds, who aren't as, you know, they're not quote unquote famous in the Ruby community, but they have something amazing to share. And I know those people exist and I'm trying to find them. But I think really the hard part is a lot of those people are not comfortable coming on the podcast to talk about it. We have many people that we're not going to name, but that we've tried to get on the podcast and they're like, I just, I just don't think I'm right for it. Or I mean, that's fine. And regardless of the reason, like we respect that and that's fine, but it's hard to get some of those voices in that's not an excuse by any means. We're definitely trying to do that more and more. And look, if you want to come on our podcast, please just message us. We would love to have you. If you have something interesting to say, no matter who you are, you can come on within reason. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a, a vicious cycle of if people don't hear people who, who might sound like themselves or have similar backgrounds on podcasts, it can be incredibly intimidating to go onto podcasts and then... You, the voices are just always still the same. So I really appreciate you putting out that offer. And I'm sure Ruby on Rails and Rails with Jason would both echo that sentiment. Well, that's why I like the Ruby blend so much just because Ron was from a diverse background. He didn't look like Nate and I. So having him on was, we were able to kind of do that. And that was, and we were trying to bring on more diverse people. And that was really like the focus of that show. So I mean, we don't always do interviews on remote Ruby. Like sometimes it's just us joshing. But yeah, again, just to echo what Gemma said, if you want to come on, you have something interesting to say, please just message your favorite podcast. (laughs) And one thing I'll say, I don't know if folks have been listening for a while, but the Ruby on Rails podcast started in 05. So it's been around for a minute and it's had a few different eras of of hosts over time. And it was getting, there's about a year or two, it was kind of not every week. And then there might be a couple months gap. And then Brittany came in and took it over. And I think Brittany is now the longest running host. So has the biggest long-term impact. And I feel, I just want to put this on the record that she's been stellar with the lineups and the people that she's gotten onto that podcast over years now, all sorts of backgrounds and also experiences. Cause that's something that we observed is a lot of juniors might be terrified and the imposter syndrome. So we're like, let's get them on. Like, let's have a conversation with them. And I think Brittany's done fantastic. Just to echo that real quick. I'm so jealous of Brittany because she's one of the best interviewers I've ever met. She's She's so good. And I just want to be like that so bad, but I I don't know why I can't do it. But she's an excellent interviewer. And I think that's what I really admire about her. Yeah, I want to echo that as well. And I think my first experience ever being on a podcast was when I had a talk that was supposed to be at RailsConf 2020. We all know what happened there. But once the schedule came out, Brittany reached out to me and she was like, Hey, do you want to come on the Ruby on rails podcast? And my partner can verify this, but I like very near passed out when I read that Twitter DM. <laughs> Cause I was like, nobody knows who I am. And if this conference did happen, I don't know if anyone would show up to my talk. And the fact that she thought that 
what I was speaking about was like important enough, even though I was, you know, a random junior ish engineer to invite me on her pretty popular podcast was like very meaningful to me and like definitely gave me the confidence to do more public facing things going forward. Brittany is like, no pun intended, a gem in this community. <laughs> like she actually like sets this stuff up that we do. And she's just such an inclusive person and a caring person. And I also want to say, so the first time Emily and I met, we were both on this podcast platform.sh. We didn't know each other and like, but we just got on there and we talked about what makes Ruby special and things like that. And you were so amazing on that podcast. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I also had an amazing experience on that podcast and it was just like, Jason is so nice. I was so nervous because you seem so legit. And, and I was like, I, compared to me, some stories. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. But then in addition to being legit, you were also very nice and welcoming. So I also had a great experience. I appreciate that. I actually found out on the last podcast that he invited you, but then never followed up with you. And I audibly yelled at him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually, well, this is awkward, but yeah, that's what I was going to bring up after this. So. Thanks, thanks for that. Andrew. You're welcome. We're looking for a new podcast. So <laughs> Available. What happened to Chris? <laughs> so, so we do have a live audience with us today, which is, feels like a real privilege to be able to record in front of. I clearly cannot see behind me. So if, <laughs> if you're behind me, I'm just going to try to keep looking that way. If you want to raise your hands and we'll get going that way. So Kevin Newton asks, podcasts are one of his favorite ways to stay on top of what's going on in the Ruby community. So as podcasters, how do you all stay on top of what's going on in the Ruby community? A really complex RSS workflow that no one wants to know about right now, but I would love to talk about later. It's in-depth and nerdy. Okay. It's kind of embarrassing. So I'll just publicly thank Peter Cooper for doing Ruby Weekly because we record on Friday. So usually we just pull up Ruby Weekly like, hey, what did, uh, what did we miss this week? But there are episodes where we don't have a topic. We just wing it. And those are dumpster fires. No, those are our best. No, except I, for one of them. And it like double on Peter Cooper. Peter is like the Herodotus of Ruby because still coming out with the best content every week to know what's going on. If you can just look at one thing and pulling it together. Twitter. Twitter has given me things that I'm going to be bringing into my talk. But also, I like to dig into old Ruby. And before Ruby Weekly, which was 2012, he was running Ruby Inside. Some might remember this like as far as what, 06, 07. So literally all online still like the weekly what's going on in Ruby. So even if you want to look at the old stuff, it's a really good place to go. I actually don't really stay up to date which is maybe not great in certain ways, but I honestly don't value staying up to date that much. And instead of following news and stuff like that, although I certainly subscribe to Ruby weekly because it would just be like, why would I not? But I like to read books and like go back to that older stuff because there's a lot of stuff that's been around for decades that a lot of people ignore myself included. There's still so many technical books that are like classics that I haven't read yet. And so I try to go back to those and balance that with a little bit of because there's a lot of new stuff. There's so much stuff that I could potentially learn, but I only have so much bandwidth for learning and I can't learn it all. So it's like a tiny slice of new stuff, but then I try to do like 80% old stuff. That is really interesting. I feel like people take that approach with movies almost too, right? Like there's always content or music, always content coming out. And also it's important to learn the stuff that's come out in the past. We're ready for our next question. 
So Drew Bragg is asking us, he said, we mentioned earlier in this recording that a great way to get on a podcast is just having something interesting to talk about. How do we as podcasters think through what might be interesting to talk about or, or what that might mean? Honestly, my least favorite podcast episodes are ones where somebody has like a thing that they want to like preach about or something like that. And the worst is when somebody has like something to promote and they invite themselves on my podcast and they're like promoting a thing. Luckily, that doesn't happen very much. But my favorite ones are ones where we just talk about some thing that they worked through at their job or something like that. Like service objects? Like service objects. But I had Dana Kachubek on the show that has not aired as of this recording. But we just talked about like stuff that she was doing at work. It was just like a conversation that we would have if it wasn't being recorded. Those are my favorite ones. Yeah, I want to echo that and say like the same goes for articles you might want to write or conference talks you might want to give. The bar for what other people consider interesting is way lower than you might imagine, because with anything that you learn or think about, your take on it is going to be entirely unique because you're a unique person. And so I don't know, but I think, hey, I read this book and I have some thoughts about it is like a pretty cool podcast episode. So Yeah, I would say if you are a person who is capable of thinking about something that is remotely related to a podcast you're interested on going on, then reach out to the people who host it. (laughs) And to kind of go back to the specific question of like, how do we know? There's a bit of intuition. We know our audience. We talk to y'all. Like some of y'all are our audience. Like we talk to y'all on Twitter. We know what y'all like. The other part is selfishly what we're interested in. I think that may be the majority of them. Oh, well, I'm really interested to talk to Mike Parham about Psychic. So there are a lot of those episodes where we're fulfilling a need or something that we're interested in. And I think those end up really great. And the other thing is sometimes Brittany has a guest on and I'm like, oh my God, she killed that. We have to get that guest. (laughs) So there there is a degree of like guest swiping that goes around. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache of enterprise platform feature bloat. With a super intuitive UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code, you can quickly pinpoint resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails notify you when there's a problem so you can fix it before it reaches your customers. With unlimited seats and applications, Scout's transaction-based pricing model makes it easy for any developer to become a performance pro. See for yourself why software engineers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash rubyonrails. And also, if you like reach out to someone to be on a podcast and they're like, No, like it doesn't necessarily mean that it just means maybe it wasn't a good fit for that podcast's audience. It's not necessarily like it's a bad topic or it's not interesting. I will say we get emails. It's like I'm so-and-so's secretary and they would be a great fit for this podcast. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) wait a second. We love remote Ruby, especially this episode. It's like copied one. It's like we think this crypto topic would be very um, like <laughs> relevant. And it's like, yes, we do talk about crypto a lot. So, And like going to the other side from the perspective of the, the guest or the person who's interested in being a guest, 
personally, like being on the set, I'm like, anyone's qualified, please come on, talk about, even if it was just like an unscheduled, so what do you do? What's going on? What do you find hard at work? But if you're the person thinking about your end, something that I've kind of developed this pattern of, and I'm sure everybody else does it too, is my brain's just kind of open like a net all year. You know, hopefully nothing falls out, but it's try and find anything. And over the course of the year, something will come up. All of a sudden, I'll find myself at home 10 o'clock at night doing a deep dive on some weird library, Why the Lucky Stiff wrote 17 years ago. And I'm like, what is going on? This isn't my job. And they're like, oh, maybe there's something to capture here. And then you're like, maybe I should kind of track what I'm getting up to tonight. And then maybe you kind of put together a few code snippets and maybe you write some words around it. And then you put it into a blog post. I've written a blog post about even just a flag that you passed to RSpec. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge epic. And then over that time, there might be kind of a thing that filters down. You're like, hey, that was a fun little blog post I did about three hours of hacking. And then that might give you a little more confidence to have a lead in. Say, hey, I just wrote this and I'd like to talk about it. And then that also feeds into like, if you're thinking over the course of the year of submitting to CFPs, for conferences and something to talk about, that's also a great lead. And so I just kind of say, as you're going through this conference, and if it's something that's on your radar, and I, again, I think everyone- Your Ruby radar? My <laughs> Ruby radar. Everyone's, I think y'all are qualified because I've been both sides. But if you want something to bring, just don't think about it today. Just keep your brain open and then kind of try and catch yourself when you're doing that deep dive into something really interesting. This is so unrelated, but I just have to say it. If anyone wanted to record like a 10 episode podcast on the story of why the lucky stiff, I will fund it. I will fund that as well. Because <laughs> that story was before my time is so fascinating. So if you want to make a story about why the lucky stiff, apparently there's some big bucks that could be handed your way. My email is nicholas.schwatter at gmail.com. So just be in touch. If you email me, I will not respond. So email Jason. <laughs> it's turning into an auction room. I mean, I think all of those points were great in response to your question. So we have a question from Brandon Weaver, which is who are your Ruby heroes, folks you really look up to, either ones you've had on the podcast or not, and who are folks up and coming in the Ruby community who you're really paying attention to? I have several that come to mind, but I'm going to try and limit it to under an hour. Um, <laughs> the first one like may seem obvious, but Aaron Patterson, he's like a two-part because he's so intelligent. He goes so deep into Ruby, and I love that, but also like... If I'm having like a really bad day, like he'll tweet a pun and it really does like legitimately cheer me up. So he, he's kind of here to me. And then I will also say that I know we keep like harping on it, but I think the WNBRB stuff is amazing. And I think it's like really good for the community. So I would say that like that is something heroic. Thanks so much for saying that. My Ruby heroes. I have so many. I'm going to try to just name a couple Brittany is like my Ruby hero. Sandy Metz, Aaron Patterson, Ernesto Tagworger. Chris Oliver. I mean, there's, I could keep naming names over and over and I won't. As far as up and comers, I don't think you're up and coming anymore, but it's really exciting to see you kind of coming onto the scene, like really in depth. And that was awesome. And I really was following that. Emily's been great to watch. Colin Gilbert is great to watch. And I mean, there's people that like enter my DMs all the time. And I'm like, this could be the next person. And we get a lot of people who are like messaging us articles and stuff. And so I mean, there's so many people. It's hard to, I'm not a name person. I'm sorry if I left your name out, but those are just a few. I already mentioned why the lucky stuff. I spent enough time in old blog posts of which there's hundreds in Ruby talk and code. I feel like I'm still getting content, even though it's been over a decade. Obi Fernandez, when reading 
the rails five way front to back. I couldn't stop is reference text. I, I couldn't put down. And recently this year, it was my first interaction with Ruby Kagi and I won't name names, but there's a huge chunk of the community that despite my time, I had not been interacting with guys getting code shared with me that was just blowing my mind of completely different ways to approach Ruby. And so I'd say if we're looking for not necessarily up and coming, because these may be folks who've been in for a couple of decades, I definitely say, keep your eyes on Japanese Ruby Twitter, which is very good. My Ruby hero would also definitely be Obi Fernandez. I actually worked with Obi. He was my boss at one of my past jobs. And he is just so smart in more ways than one, in a really technical way too, but also just like linguistically. If you read the things he writes, he just has such a command of the English language, which I found really impressive because when we get dealt our hand as far as like what kind of brain we get. Some people are really technically strong. Some people are really like artistically strong and stuff like that. And Obi is just like all around smart in so many ways. And so it was really great to get an opportunity to work with him and and learn from him directly a little bit. And then up and comers, even though Gemma has already been said, that's who I was going to say too. Because it's like one day I didn't know who you were. And then the (laughs) next day you were everywhere. And then I talked to you on my podcast and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a person to watch. When I was a newcomer and I was like, I'm going to write a blog post. It was just like, here's how you install Ruby. <laughs> uh, like the 1500 blog posts. You're like, here's how we go really deep into Ruby. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's intimidating. I don't mean it to be intimidating. <laughs> Thank it's, you so much. So cool. guys. I, I do have one more person I wanted to add real quick. Andrew Arcane. Andrew's not real, like active on Twitter, but there are so many gems that come out of that one human being and they're like super high quality. And so I have this problem. I wonder if this has been solved. It's like, this has been solved and it's perfect. Yeah. I also wanted to add one more because I forgot. And I've, I've mentioned this before, but Jason Sweat discovered me. The first podcast I ever did was with Jason. He encouraged me to do more. So I am here because of Jason. I want to go back to uh, the Gemma train. No, seriously, I think one of the highlights of my year and maybe my life has been founding WNB.RB with Gemma and like getting to work with her. I think the professional and like friendship relationship that I have with her is like the most fulfilling that I've ever had in my life. She's an excellent human. So Ruby Hero, for sure. She is bright red. I'm so sorry. I had to say it. (laughs) The other person I I wanted to mention is actually the person who asked this question, Brandon, because I think one thing that you do that I admire so much is how like vocal you are on social media about mental health and like kind of reducing the stigma around that. And so I feel like that definitely when I'm scrolling Twitter day to day makes my experience in the Ruby community also feel a lot more welcoming. And the way that you, I feel like you notice when marginalized people do, you know, face pushback in the community and you speak up for people. And and that's something I really admire, even outside of your speaking and your technical contributions. And that's honestly like Brandon's been such a multifold treasure in the community, because one thing I'd like to underline, I was tempted to just say Brandon straight off, but I thought that'd be a cheap. <laughs> but, but for me, one of the things that's like my heart song of Ruby, you know, like if you won the lottery or whatever is the whimsy and the art and the ability to have that kind of blurred line where it is art and you were still talking code and Brandon embodies that to me. 
makes me feel like it's still alive and well today. So I really appreciate all of that work as well for the community. And one of the best conference talk styles I've seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. For sure. Unique and really cool. Brandon drew a lemur for me the other day in the lobby. So that's basically my conference is like, peak. Like, <laughs> nice. I could just go home now. So. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> yeah, Emily, definitely that praise right back at you. And I'm glad you brought up Brandon. I was definitely going to, if no one else did, I think beyond everything else, he is also just one of the kindest humans I know, at least, which is very meaningful to me. Can I add one more thing to that answer? In terms of up and comers in the Ruby community, another thing that's been very fulfilling about the work I've been doing recently is seeing people talk at our meetup at WNB.RB and especially people who talk for the first time at our meetup. And so one thing Gemma and I have been doing is encouraging first time speakers to speak at the meetup and we will meet with them a couple months leading up to their talk to like mentor them. And we don't really help them that much. What we really do is just say, Hey, you got this. You're doing a really good job. And hopefully like give them the confidence to actually follow through with giving that talk. And so every time I see someone give a talk at our meetup, I'm like, this person is so incredible and has so much potential that I'm afraid like wouldn't be surfaced otherwise. So I'm feeling very grateful for that. Yeah. And I think to the diversity conversation we were having earlier, I think For me, it seems pretty obvious that encouragement is sometimes just all people need, right? Like you belong, you can do it for sure. Chris Labarge asks how we find ourselves able to consistently produce episodes without suffering from burnout. For remote Ruby, and I don't want to speak for all of us because Jason can obviously contradict this, but for me, it feels like every week I get to hang out with two incredible people who are also my friends and we get to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And to me, that time is valuable because I live alone and they're my friends and it's like a time to get together. So because remote Ruby to me is a way to hang out with my friends and, you know, the community at large, I have not yet been burned out. There have been times where I've thought about stepping down from various podcasts so that someone else could step up, but I've just kind of hopped from podcast to podcast. And I don't know at the end of the day, it's like, how many people can I meet? How many new friends can I make? And at the end of the day, like that time that I get every week on Fridays to hang out with Chris and Jason, I value that a lot. I'll add to that. Chris and I started doing the podcast. We intentionally tried to find a way to not hate the podcast because like another commitment, right? Like it's easy to love something until it feels like a chore. And so we looked for kind of low friction ways. So like, that's why our earlier episodes just sound like trash. They were recorded like on YouTube (laughs) and some of our editing is kind of rough in the beginning, but like for us to adding Andrew to our mix, like having three hosts, it sounds intimidating, but it actually helps because like my schedule is stupid sometimes. So like 155, we record it too. I'm like, hey, I'm out today. But the podcast still goes on. If Chris has something come up or Andrew, like we all can kind of supplement each other. And that helps knowing you have the freedom to take a break sometimes. For me, I'm an extraordinarily lazy person and I'm very careful not to sign up for jobs that I can't fulfill sustainably. And so for my podcast, I knew from the beginning that I didn't want to do like a bunch of fancy editing and stuff like that. I don't do like that thing where you summarize the episode before the episode and stuff like that. I think it's great to do that. I'm just too lazy to do that. And I know if I sign myself up for that, it might lead to burnout eventually. So that on one side of it, and then on the other side of it, it's super energizing to be able to talk with people on the podcast. Like just all the stuff we talked about before. 
I get to connect with people who I otherwise would never be able to get to connect to. And then the other thing is every time anybody says something nice to me about my podcast, that sustains me for like a month, which is good because I get almost no feedback on my podcast (laughs) ever. But when somebody says something, it's, oh, thanks. (laughs) So that's what keeps me going. So I have the cheat here. So I'm a co-host. That's (laughs) So for me, that's the perfect answer. That's what we need. There used to be a lot of Ruby-based boot camps bringing people in. There isn't any more Ruby. You know, we're very mature. There's a lot of money riding on a lot of Ruby out there. And that feeds into my thing that I'd like to see improved in the Ruby community is I'd like to keep or even improve the weirdness around the language. I think a lot of tooling and work now that we have billions of dollars resting on Ruby is to make it very homogenous and samey. I don't want to say boring, but very predictable. Whereas if you spend any time looking around, it is a very sharp knife that allows you to author and articulate and make beautiful, interesting things. But we just like lint it to death and just say, this is the right way. And we have a huge treasure trove of ways to write Ruby that we can't because it's our job and it's corporate, right? And I'm not anti-job or anti-corporate, but I definitely like to see more effort in uh, keeping the sharp edge of Ruby and the weirdness of Ruby. I think the main way I'd like to see the Ruby community change is it would be pretty cool. I think if the Ruby community was 10 times as big as it was and like way more people use rails than currently. Cause like really people talk about this, like ad nauseum, but like what framework is better than rails? There's nothing that's really even very comparable. I tried to stop him. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's not true. It's fake news. I think my addition is I want to see the Ruby community get more diverse. I think that the Ruby community is better than other tech communities, but that doesn't mean that it's perfect or even good by any stretch. And when we look at the people who are doing things that are written about in like Ruby Weekly or talked about on podcasts, it's by and large white men. And I just want to see the opportunities for women and people of color and other marginalized people broaden. But I think that also comes with like expanding the community in general. And I hope that if that happens, that expansion is fueled by the inclusion of people who are not normally included. To Andrew's earlier point, I think that is everyone's problem. I mean, we're, I'll call a spade a spade, a a panel of six white people. And that is terrible by every definition of the word. And yeah, I totally agree with you that I think more so than any problem, diversity, especially racial diversity is where we have room to grow. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for being our live audience. This was really a pleasure and a privilege to record. Hopefully you'll hear this episode on a few different podcasts. Definitely feel free to check them out. We have Rails with Jason, Remote Ruby, and the Ruby on Rails podcast, and it'll be live on all three. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.